Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. On today's show, number one, uh, I went to push the button <laughs> to make the uh, commercials go, guys, and you know what happened? They didn't go. So I want to uh, I want to apologize to my producer <laughs> for those things not happening, but I want to tell you that that's how life is. Um, on today's show, it's going to be so incredible. You guys are going to get so much from this. I, I've already gained so much in the last 15 minutes of being able to spend time with this absolutely phenomenal human being. Uh, but first of all, I want to give a, a shout out to our sponsors, uh, Chris Noggle uh, with the Private Money Club and uh, with uh, Money School. This guy is changing the way that people think about money and also Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas. Uh, Mr. Jim DiGiulio always showing me that it's not about the transactions that we do, it's the relationships that we build that will last a lifetime. Uh, my producer too, if you, if you see me look down at my notes, I got in trouble the last couple of times because I I, we got to make sure that you guys know about the apparel, the podcast apparel. It is uh, available now, and it's in the link in the bio, so you guys could check that out. Uh, make sure that you check out the Vibe Room. It's the podcast live, like having an uh, incredible individual like we're uh, able to spend time with today, and but we're having it live, and it's in front of an, a live studio audience, three to four amazing humans, and you get a chance to be able to experience them live, and that's going to be happening in Orem, Utah, in uh, July 13th, and then in Carlsbad in August. And uh, the last thing that my uh, son would say was subscribe to our channel. If you're watching and <laughs> you haven't mashed the subscribe button, do that as quickly as possible. Now to the guest of honor. This guy is, uh, I mean, honestly, like my brother is my hero. And I was talking to him the other uh, uh, earlier today and, and even in the days uh, in the last couple of months. And what he was telling me, he said that this individual, um, Luke, is probably one of the most amazing people that he's ever met in his life, which is a huge, huge thing for my brother to say because he has great friends. Also, he was uh, talking about uh, him as an entrepreneur and then him, uh, you know, the intellect that this man has. Um, but also the thing that, that hit me was every single thing that Luke does, he does with a purpose. Um, so it, it's, it's my honor, my pleasure. I've known uh, Luke for a, quite some time. I haven't got to spend that much time with him, um, but I've known of him through so many different uh, uh, aspects, and we're going to talk about that as we go. But please welcome to the uh, show the founder of Woodsy Sunglasses, Mr. Luke Winter. Hi. Uh, Luke, I want to talk about this. This this blew me away, man. Um, when you were when you started doing the sunglasses, you actually took and you just showed me, and I want you to show the the audience. Um, you you took recycled skateboards and then cut the recycled skateboards and made sunglasses out of them. And so I'm a one off kind of guy. Like I don't like to roll into a place to see somebody with my stuff. Um, I, I want to take it off. But can you show them and talk to us about some of the inspiration that you did? Because this, these kind of things just blow my mind. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, well, first off, I grew up in Los Angeles, uh, close to Venice Beach. So I grew up uh, skating as a child in the, the 80s and, you know, lots of ramps and pools and Dogtown skateboards. I used to ride those all the time and Hosoi. So I grew up in the skate, you know, had a passion for skating. Obviously, I'm too old now, but uh, uh, I wanted to, you know, I created my brand on, based on style and nature. So sustainability that looks good. So I was like, why not take skateboards and, and turn those into glasses? Because I was already making wood glasses. So, you know, 
it took a little while, but we, we got it down. And so I'll show you just kind of a um, example. I have stack. I collect the boards myself, by the way, and broken are, are still in one piece. This, this one just happens to be broken. So it starts off as just this regular old skateboard deck. And I love keeping the, the stickers on it even better because it's unique. So whenever I make them, they're truly one of a kind. Like you said, I'm the same way. I, want, I don't want to have the same thing that everyone else has. I want to, something unique. I like creativity. And then um, we basically plane the skateboard, uh, cut the sides. So it's just the middle portion of the deck because cut the concave parts the, with the transition. And then we start cutting, you know, these are the temples or the, AKA the arms. And you pulled, oh, maybe, sorry, actually the wrong side. Here we go. So you see the pattern of the, the artwork on the skateboard. Yeah. You see the little hole where the trucks were. So you pull that out and then you flip it over. This is a, a set of arms. So you cut it right down the middle. We sand wow. it. It makes a, le a left and a right. And then uh, when it's done, I mean, I have a finished one here. Um, it turns into something like this. So they're uh, one of a kind. There's a million different colors. And when you start sanding them, the other layers come out, the colors, because most skateboards are seven layers, um, Canadian maple compressed. Uh -huh. And there's lots of colors in there. But I love that you see the, uh, the you know, scratches, the grooves. Uh, my favorite ones are the, like, you can see the, the smear mark right in the front, right there from slides to um, uh, the holes in them for where the trucks go. Uh -huh. So, uh, I don't have one on me right this second, but, um, but those are my favorite the ones with the holes. Cause you can't, you go to talk to someone, they can't, they know it's a skateboard. Cause there's a lot of companies that say they recycle skateboard uh -huh. classes, but it's not, tr it's not true because recycled skateboards have artwork and stickers on them scratches. These are perfect. There's no artwork, no scratches. So. What they do, and I even did in the beginning too, is I made skateboard decks new and then turn them into to classics. Yeah. So it's re they're really repurposed, but they're not recycled. These are actually recycled. I have stacks of them. I ship them off to China. <laughs> we cut them up. And the cool part is, is uh, for instance, I'll show you. We were we had a debate about the lenses. We well, they cut the wood out for the lens. We had all these extra pieces, and so we decided to turn into a oh, wrong way again. Sorry, a keychain. There we go. So, for those of you so, who are for those of you who are listening on Apple Podcast, that's my uh, my friend Wayne Freeman. You got to see these glasses. Woodsy glasses are unbelievable. And I want to talk about this from the from the early stages because a lot of times entrepreneurs. We start out with this vision, and what I admire about you the most, Luke, is that you started off with this vision, and you said, hey, I want to have, you know, all my things made in Chico, right? So you started doing that, but then you saw that that, for you, wasn't a sustainable process, so you had to adapt. Can you talk to uh, the, the importance of adaptability when you're doing something, even though you, and you stayed in line with your mission because now the glasses that are dropping today, and we get to talk about them today, the new ones that are hitting, that everyone's gonna, mind's gonna be blown. And I ultimately, this is, I'm shouting this out. I wanna speak it into existence because I believe in the future, the, the, uh, the podcast is gonna have its own uh, sunglasses that will be designed by Woodsy too. Uh, which I think would be amazing. But can you talk to that, the adaptability and why that's so important and 
why it's it it will help you to be able to grow because sometimes people stick to their guns and they stick to their guns so hard that they end up burning out or they go into the ground. Yes, no, that's a, that's a great topic, and uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, you're, it's a it's it's a gamble, one big gamble, and you're betting on yourself, and you're betting on your idea, and you're betting on your performance, how hard you're going to work, you know, and, and your concept, and are people going to like it? But so it's all a big gamble, you know. And like I said, I had no background in sunglasses before I got into it, but I figured it's only it can't be that complicated. I'm not an engineer, but I could figure this out. And slowly but surely I did. And we started making skateboard glasses. Then I wanted to take it the next step because I always wanted to make them, you know, right here. I wanted to go in the shop and cut them up myself. And so I found a, a local engineering uh, firm in Chico that said they would, they'd love to, to work with me. So it started off, everything was great <laughs> in, in, in theory. And, you know, I, I did it for three years. I ended up, you know, I bought CNC machines. I bought lens uh, cutting and polishing and, you know, buffing machines. I bought everything you can, you need to have to make uh, the product. I bought the supplies, the wood, you know, uh, sealants, all glues, everything to make, you know, a full product line. And in the end, you know, uh, I, I think I signed a three-year deal with them to do it and it, the prices kept going up going up going up they wanted more per unit they got a little greedy but the quality uh, honestly wasn't as good as what i was making in china i'll be totally honest with you i mean it's, it was made in usa which was great and we did it but if i put them side by side like i really like preferred what i was doing with with in china i know it sounds weird but the you know, we had our own engineering for the, the American made ones. We had like a gasket for the lens to remove and come, but only one person was able to do, it was really complicated. It was uh -huh. too complicated. And by the time I bought all the machines and materials and, and I was paying for the engineering and assembly basically. And the price was like, uh, you know, start off with really low and it was like five times what it was within three oh. years. It was, Basically what it came down to, I'd hold out the product because I had both my store or online. I had made in China and made in USA and people chose the Chinese and I had less problems with it. You know, the people that wanted to buy it just because it said made in the USA and it was, it was all certified. Uh -huh. But then the day people like price and quality and the quality was just better. And so I, I got out of, it almost, it almost ruined me actually to be, I'll be as an entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I invested hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, those aren't cheap machines and how much I to produce, it was hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and it didn't go that well. And I learned it was a really valuable lesson. And the same people that I worked with at the end tried to charge me rent for the machines they wanted me to buy to make them. You know, I was like, what? And, and then at the end, when I, when I canceled, you know, when my contract was up, they tried to keep my machines that I own. And they're like, no, you, you know, there are now. I'm like, no. So it got really messy and almost had to go to court over it. And in the end of the day, I have a really good relationship with China, my Chinese production. They're uh -huh. great, great quality. And it runs circles around what I had here in California. So I design them here. I use 3D printing. I do all that, like the concept. And then I have a really good relationship. I've worked with the same producer for eight years now. Okay. And uh, amazing. You know, I dream it show and it, you know it's rough in translation at times but they deliver and the quality i'll put up to any any other brand or any other 
sunglass, the, the quality is really, really high and good. So, so and, 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 good, and, and good people, the person, people I worked with in China were way better to me and easier to work with than right here in California across town. I, I think this is a, I think that's a big thing too, because a lot of times, you know, you'll hear a person will stand behind it's made in the USA, but I want every person out there that's whether uh, providing a, a service or a product that you got to realize that when you have a relationship with somebody and you treat them well, it honestly shouldn't matter where it comes from. It's the treatment of that person, which is amazing. We're talking about woodsy uh, sunglasses. You need to go to woodsy.com right now and check these out. If you're listening, check them out because honestly, like some of the coolest sunglasses, I remember getting them. Um, I can't remember how many years ago, but my brother gave me a pair, uh, because he was uh, spending some time with you. I want to talk to, uh, about that relationship because for you, you did things that, I mean, the UFC and sunglasses, like, I don't think that people like talk about them in the same sentence, but you did something and got involved because you were passionate. Can you talk about why, how sunglasses and the UFC can actually connect? Well, that, that, that's actually another good topic. <laughs> uh, I've always been very uh, energetic, so I like sports. And, um, and uh, I moved, I used to live in San Luis, San Luis, San Luis Obispo County, and I worked at a bar in, uh, called Mr. Rick's, and Chuck, Chuck Liddell, uh, worked as our doorman. This is long before in the UFC or getting paid to fight. And, you know, he told me, Hey, I'm fighting for money now. And, you know, things are good going to Brazil, blah, blah, blah. And then I, my like, good for you, Chuck, you know, and then I, I was walking by a magazine rack once and I saw him on the cover and I realized, you know, I didn't even know about the UFC really back then. It's like 2002 or one. And so I started supporting him. I'm like, I know that guy. He's cool. So I started watching UFC and I fell in love with, with with MMA and started training myself. I did jujitsu and MMA training and I still, I box five days a week now. Like I love fitness. And anyway, uh, by chance, the local gym I was training at called standalone had set up a seminar to have Wanderlei Silva come do a seminar and teach, you know, work with, uh, you know, the people that go to the gym, how, you know, some special techniques or whatever. I was just starstruck because I, I literally, my youngest son, my wife was pregnant. I'll never forget. It was New Year's Eve and we we're watching um, Pride and Wanderlei Silva. And then my son was born three days later. So I, it always stuck in my head. That was an amazing fight. And anyway, so I wanted to meet him. So I knew the owners because I had a, my clothing store. We used to do trade and whatnot. And I said, I, you know, I want to be in there. Like, do you want him to have him, have him at your store? And I'm like, hell yeah. And so and then I got introduced to your brother who was his representation and his manager. And um, he was supposed to come for, I think, an hour or two hours max. Ended up staying like six hours. Genuine guy. Spent over 10 minutes with every customer that came in. And there was a line around the, the block. Like hundreds of people came to see him because he was a big deal. I even bought two axes because his nickname was the Axe Murderer. <laughs> and he signed them. I, I raffled on off, and I still have the other one. But, um, but anyway, I was just a big fan of the sport. And that's how I got to meet your brother. I got to meet Wanderlei. And, and not only that, he came back again. And, you know, I went to his birthday party in Vegas. Like, it was great. Thanks to your brother and you. Um, really, you know, found, got to see the other side of him. Not just the guy in the ring, which is scary. Yeah. But he's a great guy. It was really fun. So anyway, um, I love both. Both. I'm passionate about both. I'm passionate about um, 
martial arts that teaches you discipline, you know, uh, dignity, humility, and a good work ethic. So I use that in my work outside of the gym. And uh, fast forward to now, my youngest or my oldest son, his friend was just in the UFC, is in the UFC now. And I watched him as a kid do jujitsu here. His name is Nick Maximoff. And he's in, uh, he's a, uh, I believe he's a middleweight, 185, but he's in the UFC. And he actually asked me to sponsor him. And I, and I, I, I balked. And the reason why I'm like, I, I, I love martial arts, but I was like, I don't know if it'll translate, you know, like <laughs> wood glasses with guys that are like beating the crap out of each other. Like, you know, <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, but now I have these indestructible ones. So maybe I'm going to come back. So, yeah. <laughs> so I think the coolest brands, this is for me growing up, the coolest brands had the story behind it. And they, the, the founders of those brands, they didn't look at, okay, what's the blueprint for a brand to be successful? They were like, nah, this is what I love to do. This is what I feel my responsibility and purpose is. And then I'm going to go at it. And then people catch on to it and it catches fire like Woodsy. And so one of the things that you said earlier, Luke, which I loved, you were like, I'm all about sustainability. I'm all about helping the planet. I'm all about doing the right thing. And then you were like, but I'm not a hippie. So most of the time, those things go together. Can you explain how you can not be a tree-hugging hippie and, and, but still want to do the responsible thing for the planet? Well, first off, uh, I love hippies. I love everybody. <laughs> my, my, wife, my wife's a hippie. So I grew up in Los Angeles in the city and there really wasn't anything like that you didn't have any but trees to hug, man no 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 i grew up in the concrete <laughs> jungle but uh but i do have respect for humans for the planet for animals i love uh, animals and children to me are pure and they should be protected at all costs you know so i i have like values and uh you know the you know kids have nothing to do with my sunglass line so I chose sustainability. I can incorporate my background and my passion for fashion, I like to say, combine it with sustainability. So our slogan is uh, woodsy, style and nature. So com combining style first, because it's gotta be good looking, you're not gonna wanna wear it, right? <laughs> and, uh, but it also, you feel good about it. It's not just a gimmick. It's not like some other companies in the past have like tried to play on people's hearts, like, oh, we give and we do this and that just to make a sale, but they really didn't deliver. And I'm not, I'm not like that. In the, in the beginning, I used to plant trees. And basically what I do, because I, um, I went to school for geography. So, so I had every continent except for Antarctica. I said, where do you want to plant your tree? And I'd had an organization in each continent that represented the continent. And I'd send checks to them. But after a while, I'm like, I'm sending checks to people I don't really know. I don't even know what they're doing with it. So I'm like, I want to do, I'm like more hands-on. I want to do something that I control completely. And I know that it's being sustainable. So I created the recycle program in 2013, 10 years ago, which means any woodsy product you buy from me, uh, sunglasses that is, excuse me, um, you could turn it any time today, 10 years from now, and you the next pair is a half off for life. So once you buy at full price, you keep turning them in. My goal is because I, what I do is I do free repairs. If they need repairs, I keep those the good pieces and I reuse them for free repairs for customers. I do it all the time. So I, my goal is to keep our footprint as light as possible, less stuff going. I don't want stuff going in the trash or landfill. Come to me. We'll keep it we'll live to another day. We just fixed some guy broke his skateboard glasses. So we put a different arm, a different color, but 
they're back on the road and he's happy. Everybody wins. So I go, happy me, happy you, happy world. So that's, that's kind of the mantra. And anyway, um, so you don't have to be hippie. It's just doing what's right. Our planet is definitely stressed out right now, the way our modern way of living with batteries and, you know, jet fuel, whatever, you can go on and on forever. And I want to make products that are cool, I'm proud of, but also I go to bed at night knowing that I didn't just do it for a quick buck or to, you know, take for granted our planet. And uh, you don't need to be a hippie. You can be anybody. It's just doing what's right. And, um, and our products are, we're not perfect, but we try to get as close to perfection as we can as far as sustainability. Uh, beyond just the, the products, even my packaging. Uh, it's, see this little guy? Uh-huh. It's recycled paper. It goes in your pocket when you're not using it. And then you open it up. It's my recycled skateboard interior. You can see that. Take a picture myself of skateboards on the ground uh-huh. and then you put your glasses in it and then voila so it's protective the tr- triangle is very strong if you drop them or even if you stepped on you don't have to jump up and down to really break them <laughs> and then it's magnetic it sticks to metal you can hang it on the wall and then when you're not using it you take them back out hold it back up and there you go. It doesn't take up much room in your, your back pocket, your, your uh, backpack, your suitcase, whatever. So I'm always trying to, every aspect of it, trying to make it sustainable, but also smart and creative. So it's not like everyone else. It's the same box with a sticker on it. Here you go. Just, you know, I want to make something that's mine or something that's unique. So one of the quotes that I, uh, that I uh, read that you had said really blew me away because there's so many people out there, Luke, that they want to do good, but they don't know where to start. And I even heard this. I was at the pool one time. It was a couple of years ago. I was at the pool in our neighborhood. And I said, we were doing some stuff for a homeless outreach. And this person said, I would love to get involved. I just don't know what to do. Like I got money or I can donate stuff, but I don't know where to donate it. And this was the quote that you said that really just, it sat me back in my chair and helped me to realize this or helped me to realize on a different level. And it was this, it said, I can't save the world. This is what you said. I can't save the world, but I hope to influence others. And it almost let me at ease. Can you tell us more? Like where, where does that mentality come from? How did you learn it growing up in LA? Um, you know, I mean, was it parents? Was it uncles? Was it environment? I mean, you're a, you're, you're a unicorn in this world, Luke. <laughs> well, thank you. I haven't heard that one yet, but, uh, but I, thank you. Um, you know, I just, my strength is creativity. I mean, I've had jobs before this, you know, like where, you know, I, I was good at it, but I just wasn't passionate about it. And for me, I, I like change. I want to constantly create stuff. And I always loved clothes and fashion. So I was like, it's a way to combine what I really like. It's not a job to me. It's fun. You know, it's like do what something that your heart's really into that, that that's also helpful to others and pour your soul into it and go for it. But uh, I was I made toothbrushes. I mean, I'm a sunglass producer, right? And I, I was thinking about it. It got me. I like to think a lot and think of way, new things, new ways. And it really struck me because how many people in this world brush their teeth? I mean, a lot, billions or whatever. <laughs> and it, they're plastic. When they're done, they just throw it in the ground. And it, to me, that's silly because it's so wasteful. It's like I don't sit there and chew on my toothbrush. I just brush my teeth. So 
this whole piece doesn't have to be petroleum-based plastic. It's cheap and it's strong. That's that's the positive. The bad part, it stays in the ground for a long time and it doesn't help our planet at all. And also it our increases our dependency on, uh, you know, petroleum, which isn't renewable. Uh, where wood, we can constantly plant, and this is bamboo actually, it's a grass, not a wood. Uh, you can grow quickly and, and you know, it's sustainable. So I made these not to, to get rich at all. Trust me, it's a toothbrush. You can't, <laughs> the margins are, aren't, aren't that great. But, um, but more than anything, I, I give them away. And, you know, it's more, it's to hopefully inspire other companies, circling back to your question, yeah. corporations to change the business model. The business model has always traditionally been all business, just metrics. Everybody's a number, numbers, you know, everything's got to yeah. add up and, and how much money can we make? But they don't really take consideration the, at, what, at what cost to the environment, to, to labor laws, to all that stuff. They just want to make money. Like uh, uh, the large corporations that have been around for a long time, I'm not going to say any names, but they just go, go, go. And then now they're trying to seem like, hey, we're, we're cool, we're hip, and we're into this organization or that. But in reality, we all know what they're all about. They just want to make money, and they're good at it. And they make good products. Nothing against that. I just want to try to change the paradigm to like, hey, we can do cool things. We can make staple products that we all use in our everyday life, but it's something that you know, is good, not going to be detrimental to our, 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 uh, our planet as far as sustainability, but also, you know, maybe social stuff. Like you said, people want to help, like, like integrate that into your product. Like, so for, I'm making this up, this product to say, this is $10. Well, $2 from, from every toothbrush is going to social change or, or, or helping with homelessness or feeding people or education. And the other $2, you know, you, you still have 50% of, you, know, you can, whatever, find what works for them, but to but make it part of their model, not just like as a gimmick to get people to buy stuff and to show that, hey, we're kind of cool, but they see through that. Most people can see through that. But to really look at your, your business model, like, hey, how about we, you know, come up with ways that's not just, I mean, we need to make money, but also do something good. And, you know, not as a gimmick, as a marketing tool. So, so like so I don't Luke, go around going, I'm sustainable. I'm throwing all, I'm doing all this stuff. I just say style and nature. And once they learn more about me and that we actually do the recycling ourselves, by not, so I know that things are being recycled. I can show you, I have all the parts. It's all real. If anyone called my bluff, I could show them everything. <laughs> and that's why I like, cause I'm an honest guy. I want to keep it real. I have tubs full of parts by, you know, and that's what we do. We fix it. We can, if we don't have the parts, we give them 50% off the next pair and they keep them going. But now I'm trying to make them stronger and stronger than they need repairs. <laughs> so let's talk about, let's talk about that too, as far as making them stronger. Cause I know that like right when Rob reached out, he said, yo, you should get Luke on the podcast. I was like, I'm so excited because the, the realness of you, right. And for anyone out there, when he's talking about the sustainability, again, he's not leading with that. Like, that's not the way that I met Luke or became aware of him. It was just who his character is. So the bigger, um, the closer and closer you get to Luke, the better and better this guy is going to look. But also, too, you've been innovating. So you started off with Woodsy doing the wood, like having that part of it. And then you, you want to make it stronger. And... You, talk to him about the, you just showed me the thickness. Now, you're, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you're not going to be able to see this, Wayne Freeman. I love you, but you're not going to be able to see it. But you will if you jump on YouTube and then you smash the uh, subscribe button. But 
the the thickness of the glass when you show or the glasses frames was I mean it's monumental. And then you even talked about the material. This blew my mind. The material that that the lens was made from. You're even thinking about that. So can you talk to oh, me yeah. about that? Well, start to finish. Like I said, I started with uh, wood exclusively, hence the name Woodsy. Uh, but at the same time, I had issues with, you know, wood is fragile when you cut it to like the size this this big. It's almost like a large toothpick, you know. So it's if you handle with care, it'll last forever. And I always use the analogy, like I feel like the guy that created the wine glass. You know, a thousand years ago, they're like, my stone goblet doesn't break when I drop it or my copper mug, you know, but the drop glass, they're like, this thing sucks, you know, and then fast forward to now, people know if you have glass, you have to be careful. If you drop, it, it's going to break. You're not going to run back to the guy that made the white glass. He broke it. And so I had that conundrum when I had the wood, people were like, oh, it's something wrong with the, uh, the grain or something, you know, I'm like, I can't say they're lying. I can't say you're dumb. I just said, well, I need to do better. I need to make it better. So don't even have this problem because I'm tired of it. And I love wood. But there's limitations, you know, there's different what I, I still make wood products, exclusive ones, but I try to do skateboard because it's it's meant to be uh, skated on. Right. So it's, it's durable. It's seven layers of Canadian maple uh, with glue cross hatch and compressed. So it's strong. You can drop these. They're not going to break. Now, if you jumped up and down, of course, it's going to break. But so would plastic. <laughs> I mean, they would, the arms would come off at least. So. I'm just trying to make, I save people for themselves. And then also I don't want disappointed consumers and, you know, and I always, always say too, if they just broke on their own, they're like, it just broke. I'd be hearing snapping wood all day in my, my warehouse, <laughs> but that's not the case. So I decided to switch gears and discovered a thing called acetate, which is um, basically the, what this starts out is. There we go. So, so Luke is showing and, uh, you, if you're, if you're listening right now, Luke is actually showing us the, the actual material. So he's showing us a, a block of the material, and then he's showing the, us a pair of glasses that was made out of that exact same material. Correct. And the good part is this material I'm showing you right here, it's called acetate, which is a plant-based uh, fiber uh, plastic. So it's, they call it bioacetate which means there's no petroleum-based uh, products in it. So it's, it will biodegrade back into the ground safely. And, but it still has extremely strong. I mean, I'm, I'm really torquing on this. And if I did that to wood, it would be So uh, basically the best of both worlds. So you get the strength that you're used to with traditional petroleum-based plastics, but at the same time, you feel good about it because it's not just gonna be another landfill issue. They, it takes them, I believe, I think 12 to 15 years to completely biodegrade. I'll, I'll post all this on my website. Once I put the products up, the certification yeah. for the products, but it's all real deal. It's all been tested. And, uh, and then on top of that, uh, as you mentioned, the lenses, let's have a sample. You know, I'm just showing you a random sample. doesn't mean I, I think I do have this color, but that's what I deal with. And what you see in the middle is the, let me flip it over. See that little stripe uh -huh. there. That's the, the coating that gives it the, they're all the same color, but that makes it polarized. Okay. It's a, a little film. But anyway, those are made from 48% recycled nylon. So the, they're nylon lenses, but 48% of the material is actually recycled. So they're not 100% yet, but they're a heck of a lot better than what, what's out there right now. 
and uh, they're polarized as well. Those do not biodegrade, I'll be honest with you, it's nylon. Yeah. But uh, the only alternative for sustainable uh, lenses is glass lenses. But it doesn't really work with the wood because they're too heavy. It makes the glasses fall down. And, you know, I'm worried about – they're tempered glass, but worried about safety. So yeah. I like the nylon because it's safe. And, again, I've never claimed to be 100% perfect, but uh, I do my best to get as close to where we can be that makes sense for the consumer and for the planet and for our company to survive. So – um, I try to keep a balance. Well, Luke, I love this too. And I want you to talk about this because a lot of times people will say like, I want to, again, I want to do this. Luke, it sounds so good. I want to be sustainable, but the cost coming in is maybe going to be more or whatever it is. You have seemed to find the Holy grail. What is the upsides to being sustainable? And what is the, the, the cautionary tale also, because you've been through both. Yes. Uh, that's a great, great um, topic. Uh, to be sustainable, you know, sometimes it does cost more, but I, actually I think it's kind of coming closer and closer because of, uh, uh, you know, that's the way the things are kind of turning and because we have to. So before it wasn't really addressed, so they just went for the cheapest, strongest, you know, which is petroleum-based plastics. But now there's been a turn, just not just in, in the eyewear industry, but just in the world that, we need to make changes. So yeah, they do cost more, but it, it, it's not as much as it used to be. It used to be a huge, like stark difference in pricing. Uh -huh. um, now it's becoming, you know, more um, comfortable. And, and at the end of the day, it, to me, it doesn't matter because that's part of my whole, you know, business model is I don't want to just do it just to make a buck, you know, with the quickest, yeah. cheapest material. I want to make something that, the customer loves, I love making it and, and the planet is not at, threatened by it. So I want everyone to win. That's the goal. You know, is everyone going to win, get a hundred percent? Maybe not, but if we can get it balanced, we all get like 85%. That's a heck of a lot better than what we have now. Right now it's like zero. One guy wins, everyone else, not so much. Well, I think a lot so of times kind of balance things. I think a lot of times too, uh, Luke, people look at a, a person like you, a very successful entrepreneur with an incredible brand. And I want to say this, Luke didn't ask me to say this, but I, I tell you, if you're wearing a pair of glasses and they're not woodsy, uh, you're doing yourself and the planet a disservice. So uh, that's that's my public service announcement. But, but also too, people look at an entrepreneur like you, they look at uh, someone who's doing what they're passionate about, loving what they're doing, having fun while they're doing it, making a difference. And they're like, oh, wow, I want to do that. Can you talk to a person evaluating if they want to be an entrepreneur or not? Because not all the, the story of Luke is rainbows and butterflies and, you know, hey, I'm uh, making some sunglasses and then everyone in the world is buying them on the first day. Um, and I, I like to talk about this subject because entrepreneurship is so popular right now, although entrepreneurship to the entrepreneur, a lot of times if we knew all the things that we were going to go through to get to where we wanted to, sometimes we would have tapped out early. Yeah, I, I have some good advice looking back because I learned it all on my own. I mean, literally, um, I was a geography major. I made maps for a living for five years before I started doing any of this. So uh, I had no background in retail or business. or So I'd learn the old-fashioned way, you know, trial and error. What I would recommend looking back is 
even at just the JC level, taking entrepreneurship classes and accounting classes. Because if you're going to operate any of your own business, even if you're not doing the books, you should understand the books. And that way you, you can keep your, your business healthy. You can have the grandest idea, but if it's not penciling out, you know, it doesn't mean anything. So accounting, even if you don't like it, get a good grip on accounting, some business law. You can do this at the JC level because I did a long time ago at Quest to College. Um, uh, and I took an entrepreneurship class, business law, and they have marketing, go for it. But marketing is kind of, uh, I think, self-taught a little bit uh, more than the others. But accounting is a definite and entrepreneurship because that's what inspired me. I went to had an entrepreneurship class at Quest College in San Luis Obispo, and we toured other entrepreneurship uh, businesses and met the owners. And I was like, wow, this is cool. You know, I, someday I want to do that. I want to work for myself. I don't know what I wanted to do at the time, but I knew I wanted to work for myself. And uh, I did not take accounting, which I wish I did. I'd learn the old fashioned way. And then the best piece of advice I'd give you to anyone that wants to get into entrepreneurship, whatever industry you want to do, like say for instance, I'm an eyewear. In hindsight, I should have, I would have, if I go back to time, I would have worked for a sunglass company for five, seven years and really learn the business, learn, make contacts, learn. So you're like, basically you're getting paid to train. And then if you want to go for it, then you go for it later. But then by then you understand, I had to come in through it kind of sideways because I sold sunglasses to my business, but I never made them and I didn't work at a sunglass company, but I, I recommend, you know, whatever it may be, if you want to make be a car manufacturer, I'd work for a, a car de or not dealer, but the, the brand actually get into marketing for Chevy or Ford or whatever it may be. And just really learn the industry, learn how, what the customers, consumers like. And, um, and then also last piece of advice is, is it's, it's, you could have the best product in the world, but no one knows about it. You, you gotta have like a niche. Like if you're like, you know how many t-shirt people came into my clothing store for years? Like I got a new clothing line. I'm like, what is it? It's like three t-shirts. I'm like, no, man, you gotta do better than that. Like, and there's a million dime a dozen. Like, why don't you make socks? Why don't you make belts? Why don't you make, like, just do something that's not saturated. So you have a uh -huh. better chance of succeeding. And then um, something that's different. So like Woodsy at the time, there really wasn't wood sunglasses. I think I was one of three. You know, there was Schwood and Proof and, and Woodsy. So it was like the Wild West. So I, you know, I saw a niche because I already had a fashion background. I'm like, well, I know sunglasses enough. I'll figure it out as I go. And then boom, that was off the races. And I uh, learned a lot, you know, trials, <laughs> tribulations, success. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but what I really found success with is uh, doing private label. Is I make uh, custom sunglasses for large companies, mm -hmm. and that's great. That's it helps me support my brand and my dream too. So there's always ways to take your craft, and and the stuff I'm making for them, you know, you won't see online. I can't even say their names because it's private label, but they're they're big companies, really nice clients. And I love doing them. And it's something new. I get to constantly make different stuff. I make custom packaging for them, custom sunglasses, whatever they want. So it's creativity good and more ways to make money. And it's still, they're sustainable. They're coming to me because my stuff's sustainable. So I win again and everybody wins. So, so always looking for angles. Luke, tell me, tell us too about the difference 
between having a product and building a brand. Because I believe, like, I I, I get to watch you, and I get to watch you from afar. Now I, you know, get to spend time. And the fact that I have the coolest brother in the entire world, um, I get a chance to be around some of the coolest people in the world. But I get to see, like, to me, Woodsy is not, and you know this already, and it's in your heart. Woodsy is not a sunglass company. It's a brand. It's a brand. It's a it's a it's a vibe. It's it's something that you want to be a part of. Like, I want to. I I I don't like that. I don't have a pair of Woodsies in the studio right now, so I could just show them. So we're gonna make that happen. But oh, yeah. give give <laughs> us the give us the components of building a brand. That's, that's the tough one. And um, not to get off topic, but it, it, this answers the question even better. My wife is an entrepreneur as well, and she founded a brand called Lulu's in 1996 and ended up doing really well with it. But she left uh, four years this, this next month. She's, she left because it got so big, it, you know, she, went, she wanted to do something different. And, and, but the cool thing about it is – and I admire this about, we both agree. We I admire people that can reinvent themselves. So like, Hey, they didn't, they can switch over to something else and still succeed. And she's doing that right now as we speak, because she did was in uh, women's fashion. She made dresses and shoes and, and the, you know, it's, it went really big and she did really well with it and she left. But when she left, she, you know, she had partners and there was a thing called a, no competition clause if you leave, and she did. So she can't do women's clothing. So this answering what you just said, um, she had to start over and do something totally different. So she switched over and she's doing pet stuff now. She's doing doggy beds and dog collars and leashes and clothing and sweaters and all that. And she loves it because we have these two little dogs at home and that's her, she's reinvented herself. And now when I'm getting to your question about building a brand, she had to start over. I mean, she had, you know, her, her company went public. So there's thousands of employees from like nothing to that level to now she's starting over and working out of my house, <laughs> in my backyard, taking pictures herself, <laughs> you know, doing social media stuff. You know, she was the CEO of a large company and now she's started over and she's sitting there every night uh, doing Instagram, liking people's stuff, commenting and, and building the brand and grassroots stuff, just like anyone listening can do. So she, you know, basically, she's like, this brings it back to when I started Lulu's, when they had MySpace built. And she got on MySpace and, and liked people's stuff and talked to people and, and slowly built the brand and get them to comment and come back. And then they, they built it up and then she eventually sold out and it was, you know, a huge company. So, and it's called Furb, by the way, F-U-R-B.com. Well, we're, well, don't get it twisted, Luke. We're going to have her on the podcast, too, because I want to talk to her about this, this brand building. Also, too, Luke, you have a vibe that's irresistible. And it's one of those things where I, I find that people will ask about this all the time. They'll, sometimes they'll label it as energy. I, I call it vibe. Like, the difference between someone buying Woodsy sunglasses and buying something else it's the vibe that you feel. It's that it's that feeling that you have around the brand, right? And so, and I, I've even found, I have seen this happen where a person will have exact same product, exact same price. One person will absolutely suck. Like their vibe will suck and you won't buy the thing. And then the other product is exactly the same. And sometimes it could be even a higher price and you'd be like, no, nah, I want that one because the vibe 
that you feel around it. How have you, how does a person construct a vibe like a Luke? I'm not saying that we're going to repeat what you do, but for the people out mm. there that are building brands, I think that the, that co a component, they'll build the, the following, the marketing, the stuff like that, but you have the holy grail where you have a vibe that people just want to be a part of. How can we do that? Um, well, to, again, I started with what I want to do, what was I passionate about, built the product, but now getting it out and building the brand to the world, that's a whole different uh, talk show. So I, like I said, touched on earlier, do something different that's unique. Like I was working with wood or recycled skateboard. What, you know, otherwise, I'm going against people with huge budgets for magazines and commercials, sponsored athletes. I don't have that. I'm, I'm just a little Joe, basically starting with nothing. So slowly but sure social media is huge and I, I won't lie i'm 51 that's kind of my weak spot but uh, i'm working on it um my, my wife can do it she's always elbowing me get in there and start liking stuff but uh i don't even have an instagram a personal one but uh, anyway social media is huge uh, communicating with your customer i love the store just and or i'm a people person so i love making people happy i like you know sh sharing my passion for what I do. And uh, when people buy our products, I always try to, I mean, obviously I love what I do and my product, I believe in it. So I stand behind it, but I also treat my customers. They have a problem. I, we take care of them. No, 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 no questions asked. You keep them happy. The best advertising is word of mouth. They'll keep, they'll tell their friends, you got to check this out. And then they come to our website or social media or whatever it may be. Um, that's kind of, I'm more old school that way. But uh, social media is huge because uh, it's the, the, the newer generations, they're, they're pretty much on it daily. So uh, interacting with them, though, is you can have just pictures, but it doesn't do much good unless you're interacting with them. So just treating the customer as well as much care as you put into making the product or whatever you're doing, if you have a store, whatever it may be um because you can have the coolest part in the world but if no one's buying it doesn't mean or they don't know about it they, doesn't mean anything so you have to let people know about it but also customer retention that's why i do the recycle program where i feel good about like because i'm actually controlling it and it's actually real and we're actually limiting the amount of waste and the customer loves it because they get 50 percent off the next pair and it's brand loyalty a lot of our, our customers we keep them they keep coming back there's people that made eight orders over the years they because they're like, we, we take care of them. We're not the big name, but we make a unique product that's, that you really can't get anywhere else. And, uh, and it has a good, you know, foundation and, and uh, uh, sustainability. And then, you know, taking care of them for life, basically. That's, we want to keep them. The customer, it's like, uh, I don't know if you've seen my store. I'll just kind of do a quick little sweep. But it's stark white. And the only thing in here is the product. And if you see those little things on the wall, that, those are pictures of our customers. So every time in the store, we take their picture and throw on the wall because that's what's important, the product and the customer. So that's it. They don't come here to look how cool the pictures are on the wall. I mean, it's, it's them. They love it. They come back and there's people that have been on there multiple times. And so we want to fill the, the room up with pictures of our customers and then um, the product. That's, that's what's important, not me. That, you know, drop the ego. Ego is not your amigo. Remember that. That's another one in business. It is not your, it's not your amigo. Be humble, be hungry, 
and and and, and be honest and, and have good integrity and they'll take you far if you're a good person and try to be a good person a lot of doors will open up too so don't lose touch with who you are when you're a lot of people get in the business and they start doing well and they get this ego and then things go awry so stay true and everything you do so Luke, how do you, how do you stay grounded? Because, you know, as you go along, I mean, there's more and more inertia behind and with Woodsy. And for those of you listening and you can't see the logo, it's W-O-O-D-Z-E-E, right? So Woodsy, so, but Woodsy, when you said like, I'm the little guy, I mean, Luke, you ain't a little guy. Like your, your glasses oh. are everywhere. Your glasses are everywhere. We could get them. You could catch them online right now and you should be wearing them. But h- how do you stay in that humble state as things start, because we, we, I see this all the time and we see this as a world person starts out with an amazing mission. We absolutely love them. We wrap around them. we love their vibe. We're building up their brand. We become evangelists. Yes. And then it hits this tipping point and it's like, oh man, the soul goes and the product keeps going, but the soul goes. How have you been able to keep the soul? Well, I've learned just through life, um, staying, keeping your, your, your values, what, what kind of person you want to be that transcends into your products, your company. And, you know, success is great. As far as you, you say, I sold a bunch of sunglasses. That's great. But it doesn't make me a good person or, or I'm doing good things for this planet. Like it, there's so much more to, like I said, I want to make, obviously make money because I got to have kids and a house and, you know, in this modern world. But at the same time, I want to do something that I feel good about. I love what I do. It doesn't feel like, oh, God, I got to go to work again. You know, it sucks. Uh, I'm passionate what I do. But also, you know, it's like I feel good about it because, you know, staying, you got to stay humble. Like I've seen it happen so many times. And even when I was younger, I started, you know, I had some success. And, you know, I'd, but I've, I've learned the best things. You know, I'm, my products are better. Everything is once I really focus on humility and um giving giving back but not not asking for a thank you or make a quick buck but just give back and don't even say what or for just just being a good person i think a lot of doors will open people will see through there's no smoke and mirrors i mean i'm just me i'm the same guy if you've met me in vegas or here or wherever you know i'm, I'm and my wife too my wife is a huge company was, i mean went public you know she left but uh anyway but she's still we'll make dinner together every night. She's just, we're just, we live, a, you know, we're just the same people. We grew up just like average Joe's, no, modest life, nothing. You know, I didn't, I had a showroom with two brothers. I mean, I wasn't, you know, handed anything. And, you know, we've had some success, but it hasn't changed us. And we appreciate, you know, our friends like you, our pets, this world, everything. You say appreciation being, uh, I always say gratitude is gratitude. And I believe in that because the key to happiness is, is one ingredient. I was on a ski lift. This guy's like, you know what the key to happiness is? I'm like, what? He's like, gratitude. I'm like, you're right. Cause if you're grateful for stuff, you're not, you're happy instantly. Cause you're grateful. So I try to do implement that into my life and into my product line too. be grateful. We can use these sustainable materials and grateful. I have customers grateful. I have customers to be on my wall. I'm very, you know, without customers, I have nothing you know, are my producers. I have nothing. So I don't take anything for granted. And when I said earlier, like ego is not your amigo, I mean that 
but confidence is good because you earned it. You worked hard for something. You practiced something. You kept going. You didn't stop. Confidence is good, but that's not an ego. That's the quiet, the silent warrior. You know, you're strong, but ego is, it's all fake. You're projecting what you want people to think you are. You know, it's, you're just insecure. So I try to keep it humble, keep it simple, just stay Luke and just do the best that Luke can do. Hopefully they like it. <laughs> Luke, probably one of the best lessons that I ever learned was from Rob. And he told me, he said, more people will learn from your uh, missteps than they will from your success. And so what is the biggest boneheaded decision you ever made as an entrepreneur? Uh, to make them in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that was ego. I'm like, oh, we could do this. You know, I, I was just, it was all passion, but not, I wasn't using this as much. I was all heart. I'm like, oh, we could do, I got this and let's do it. And I threw money at it and I trusted people without really getting to know them. I was just like, oh, you said you could do it. Let's do it. I, you know, and little I know, I won't get into depth, but I teed with the wrong people with the exact opposite ideals as me. They wouldn't even let me into the facility because they're trying to charge me rent for the machines because I wanted to go in there and like design stuff. Like, no, you can't come in here. I'm like, what? But anyway, I won't get into it, but (laughs) that was rough. I mean, I almost lost it all. That, That was expensive lesson, but it also taught me go slow, do your research. Don't just run off the heart and heart's good to have, but you gotta use, you gotta use both. And, um, you know, and, and that was my, one of my biggest failures, but it didn't break me. It came close, but that made me stronger. Then I learned like, all right, well, let's just focus on what we can control and who we're working with and the right people and the right materials. And, and, you know, I have to go to work on, uh, you know, my social media skills, but other than that, everything is firing on, um, all cylinders that, the as I mentioned earlier, the private label is really what I make. I do the best business. It's, yeah. You know, it's not, that's not a hobby. That's pure business. And when people order, it's like 10,000 sunglasses or 20,000 sunglasses. So it's like a, so selling one in the store or one online or whatever, it's a good deal. So that helps me and helps me pr- keep pushing my, my product line. So I balance both. My ego is not in the way. I'm like, all right, well, I can say, oh, I'm just designer. I'm only going to do my stuff. Well, it doesn't pay the bills all the time. You know, you got to be smart. I'm like, all right, well, what are other ways I can make money and keep my, we can do both. You just got to be open to new things, but never stop thinking, never stop trying, never stop working. Because uh, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Luke, the, the, the more that you speak, the more I love it, man. I mean, it's, it's incredible to be able to hear. Because again, you see a, a brand like Woodsy and you're like, Woodsy and you're like, I want to be a part of it. I want to wear the glass. I want to do this stuff. And then you get a chance to talk to you and connect with you. And it's like, man, I don't just want to wear the glasses. I want to tell the world about this. Like, how important is it for you to have evangelists as opposed to just customers? Well, um, like, as I said earlier, if you believe in something, it's, it's, it's easy. Like, you know, like the analogy I'm going to use is like, when you're in school, you have to give a speech. If you're not into it, you didn't do the work, you're going to look really bad. It's going to be awkward. You'd be nervous. People are going to be like, what the hell was that? But if you really love what you're, you're doing your speech on, you did the work, the confidence, you read, you researched, you organized, you, you, you executed correctly. It's wonderful. And people are inspired and they're like, wow, that was amazing. They want to hear more. And so they're like, oh, that guy messed up. <laughs> so, so you get out of what you put into it. You need to pour your heart into it, your brain into it. 
but work ethic, you have to work. Nothing, I think a lot of people forget that being an entrepreneur, it never stops. When you're going, when you're at home, you're still working. On the weekends, you're still working. It doesn't, it's not like your normal, when you work for someone, you, I'm off work, I'm done. Like school, you know, like you have homework all the time. It's like being in grad school or something, you know, it's, it doesn't stop. You, you, and, you know, immerse yourself into your business and your customers and marketing and, and materials used, whatever it may be, but you, you live it. You're living, you're basically one of the same. Woodsy and I are kind of the same. You know, if I was a product, I'd be Woodsy. That's how I see it. Creative, funky, one of a kind, you know, I'm different. I like to be different. I don't want to be like basic guy or like every other Tom, Joe and Larry, you know, I want to, I'm Luke. I'm not saying I'm good, but I, I just, there's only one of me. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and there's only one of you too. I don't remember anyone like you. So that's, that's a compliment. Thank you. And that's what you have to do with your business too. And that's, I know it's a silly little analogy, but there's a lot of people doing this. Like how many pizza companies are there? You know, like what are they going to make your pizza? Something different. Do, I don't know. Do something like come up with a, a fresh idea. If you're going to do pizza, it's got to be better than everyone else out there. And, you know, not to be ego, but just like, otherwise people aren't going to come. But like, yeah, I'm already comfortable with what I already have available. So what's going to change their mind? You know what I mean? So, so. What, are, what were some of the lessons that your parents, like now that you look back on it, that your parents uh, instilled or family instilled at an early age that you didn't know that was happening, but now um, you use as a foundation? Honestly, I was kind of the, what to say, the black sheep of the family, and not in a bad way. I was just, I was, I'm different. Um, my, my two older brothers are extremely brilliant. They went to school, were just driven. One's building U.S. embassies around the world. The other one's a stock trader. I mean, they're both like UCSB, Cal Poly, and here I am at Chico State, Quest to College. I went the other way, and I'd say I'm more street smart than book smart. Compared to them, they're more book smart, less street smart. So, which is fine. My wife, the same. She went to San Diego State, you know, it took her eight years and she, you know, but she ran a huge, huge company. So it doesn't, <laughs> my point is it doesn't really matter. You can have all the accreditation that you want, but you got to have the, the work ethic, the drive, the passion. And you can't learn that in a classroom sometimes. But like I strongly, I'll, I'll reiterate, I take accounting entrepreneurship classes that definitely won't hurt because you need to know the the financial health health of your business even if you're not doing the books you should still understand it so you can look review and and work with whoever is doing them but that's a super important part so some things people like taking the trash out on the weekends well you got to do it well accounting is one of those you know you got to do it (laughs) (laughs) what was a word luke in accounting that changed your life and i'll give you an example because once i became aware of ebitda um, it changed the way i thought about business because it took me from thinking about just a legacy business um, for those of you out there listening a legacy business some you're going to pass on to your kids and then an enterprise business which luke knows about them both and he knows about them very closely because you were talking about your wife and your wife's business was an enterprise business selling for a multiple um, 
mine again was EBITDA. And I remember seeing it. And I was like, well, that's a lot of consonants and vowels together and it doesn't make an actual word. And then I realized what EBITDA was and it really changed my look on business because as I started to do that, I started to have conversations with people that I couldn't have before that once I knew that terminology and I understood that about accounting, what was that for you? To be honest with you, I, I think you're ahead of me on this one. Um, I, I just, it was a long time ago, probably what, 1991, I, I did good accounting. Uh, so I'm a little rusty, but I just opened my eyes, just the, the con, just the overall concept and, and implementation and how to run your books and credit debit and just keeping up with things. I didn't get that deep. I did take a class that did change me though. Um, like I said, to geography, there was a locational analysis course on like where to open a business. And back then before there was e-commerce that is and traffic flow, you know, density, uh, available parking, all that stuff, looking at it in a scientific way. And then I also took quantitative methods, which is, you know, statistics and balancing things. And, and I learned a lot and I'm not saying I implement them in my daily day to day business, but it definitely, I learned something in that I didn't, wasn't interested in and didn't care about, but I know I needed it. And, in, and like, like I'm circling back to that work, work, work. Um, sometimes you're going to do stuff you don't like to do. I mean, in school or at work, there's, I don't like doing my taxes, but I got to do them. I got to understand it. So you have to, it's not all, uh, you know, I'm just designing sunglasses and having fun and drink, you know, chef, you know, champagne. It's not like that. It's, it's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of things I got, I still clean the bathroom floors too. I mean, it's my employees. So it's like, I'm just Luke. No one's above anything. And I hate when people have a do as I say, not as I do, uh-huh. you know, mentality. So treating your, your employees well, your customers well, and, uh, reviewing your accounting daily, you know, like your your Z reports for the store online, you know, I I stay I have a bookkeeper I work with. I talk to her daily, send her whatever she needs, and I review it and review with them and make sure that things are going well and things are tight and uh so it's not just designing and having fun and it's a lot that's another thing, real quick. A lot yeah. of entrepreneurs the, the the big mistake is is the ego right in the beginning because they start their own business like why well, have my own business and then they go buy a car or a new house or something but it's like you just started a new business that's your baby not not you it's not about you it's about the business business first you have to feed your baby so the last thing you want to do is spend money on yourself or anything but the business first five years i didn't make anything i put it all back into the business to grow my business for marketing more product whatever more employees whatever you need when you put yourself first which is an ego those are the people that fail. That's why most people fail in small business because they, Oh, I got, I'm big now. I got my own business. They're dumb. And then the next thing you know, they don't have a business and they're bankrupt and everything's gone. So park your ego. The business is your baby. That's the most important. Not you. It's like having kids. Once you have kids, it's not about you anymore. It's about them. Wow. So, well, I think one of the uh, the most important things that I heard uh, that I learned, um, but I learned later on in my business. I wish I wish I would have learned it early. Um, was to not try and learn to speak the accountant's language, my accountant's language, but to get my accountant to speak the language that I understood. 
And that was a paradigm shift for me because at first I was like, oh, wow, I need to understand the terms of all the stuff. It was good to understand the terms, but then I had communication with my accountant and said, hey, we want to call it X. So I want to call it, you know, end of the day, like end of the day means, and then we just did it. And she would speak to me in terms that I understood and I got her to do that. That was a game changer because otherwise for me as an entrepreneur, I was so intimidated, you know, because I was using someone else's words, but like you were talking about, if you, uh, you know, do a speech and you don't own the information, you're not, it's not going to work hit anyway. And so that was a, a, a massive, a massive thing, um, for me, you know, as I, as I went along and I just, I just think it's so cool for you when you're talking about entrepreneurship that again, like coolest glasses on the planet, like bar none, hands down, like it, it's it. Woods, it was the coolest uh, uh, glasses on the planet and even getting better. Like it's so cool that we have an exclusive today because the glasses haven't even dropped. They're just about to drop. The new ones are just about to drop. But tell me this too, Luke, like I started the podcast because of my two kids, Maddox and McKenna. And I don't believe you got a chance to meet them yet, but Maddox is 11 years old. He's like a little cartoon character. And then my daughter, um, she actually just texted me today from her class. She wasn't supposed to be using her, uh, her phone, but she texted me and was like, dad, can you come and get me? I ain't feeling this school today. And I was like, yep, baby, I'm on my way. So, but she's just got this incredible, like huge heart personality. But I started the podcast because of those two, because I want to take iconic people like yourself that are doing things that are impacting the world in such a huge way. But I wanted them to see that there was that, you know, Luke was not an idol. He's an icon. And that Luke is an icon because of his attitude and because of his work ethic, not because he's just a superhero. So what advice would you have for Maddox and McKenna? And if he could use both their names, it would be awesome. Um. To both Maddox and McKenna, um, you first off, you have a great dad. Obviously, loved you. You're first. He's second. That's the way it should be. And I, what I would share with you is, is you're already off to a great start um, just by having your dad. But uh, what, set your goals, like whatever it may be, and then you know things may change. I mean, you're young. You know, I'm sure things will change. What you want to be in school or life, whatever. But keep track of all those, those goals you have and then slowly work towards them and then like pay attention to you know people or places or things that associate with that goal and and keep your eye on the prize basically and it's not going to happen a day if it was easy everybody would be doing it just know that if you constantly keep going and you don't lose touch of who you are as a person being a nice person which i'm sure you are stay that and and the re everything will turn out. Don't worry about the future, but just work towards the future and do what you can. Luke, can you give us a preview of the new, like the new, new? Because guys, this is like, I, I love this on the podcast because we get to not only bring you exclusive people, but on today's show, we get to bring you exclusive, like, uh, you know, Luke has got some of the glasses that haven't even hit yet and they're on the way. Am I correct, Luke? Correct. Let, yes. Let's um, let's see him. Let's see him. Well, well, the, I showed you earlier the skateboard. Now I'm coming out with the update the skateboard. So you get the skateboard, recycle skateboard temples, and then the plant acetate frame. So it's pliable. You can bend it. You can make them prescription lenses if needed. They're still biodegradable, and you can put your own uh, 
go to a licensed opt optometrist or ophthalmologist and they can help you out with getting them set up for RX needs. But either way, they're completely biodegradable except for 52% of the lens. And then this is my favorite. I needed it in Hollywood. I was born in Hollywood. This is my personal favorite one I made for myself. And I love these. This the tort we're using. It's a lemon tort, we call it. And then black, the black will be translucent. It's called uh, Shadow. And I don't, most of them are at a photo shoot in Maui right now, or at Maui, Kauai, excuse me. And they come tomorrow. Uh, they were supposed to be here already. That's why I timed it with this. But sometimes things don't work out just like the advertising thing. Like, but you got to roll. You, hey, things happen. I was supposed to have all my stuff now for the show. I still have, I still have some, but I don't have it, the full line. And I really wanted to show it. But, you know, maybe not today, but maybe another day. So, and this is uh, called the Imperial. One thing I forgot to mention. I'm very proud of being from California. I love California. So all of our styles are named after places in California. Yes. So for instance, this, this one's called the Imperial. This will fit me because I have a big head. It's a large. And I have a smaller size. It's called Coronado. So Coronado, Imperial Beach. <laughs> and then I have Hollywood. And then I have Malibu. I have Avalon. I have Fairfax and Wilshire now, small and large. I have the Bel Air. I have Napa. Uh, Pied Ray, where I'm from. So anyway, I always want to keep California close to my heart because there's a lot of brands out there, but I think we're the only wood sunglass brand, real one for, from California. So, but other ones are, I think, Oregon and Idaho or something like that. So, uh, Luke, California is so diverse. Luke, who, who would not be your customer? Um, someone that just wants to spend 10 or $20 at gas station sunglasses, you know, that just that doesn't care about the environment, doesn't care about fashion, just wants something quick and easy. You know, that's probably not us, but it's fine. I, I actually sell those in my store still, but you know, push. Sorry. One second. Luke, Luke right now, he, he's trying to help somebody into his store right now by saying push as opposed to pull. And I, I love this. He's, he's no. such a, uh, you're, you're such no, an incredible they, they, human uh, being. Uh, I guess the door was locked for customers. But, you know, one thing about being an entrepreneur, you never uh, turn off the business. So, yes. So we can course. still have the podcast and have customers. So. <laughs> Remember I said, it's not all about me. About so, so Luke. There was a thing that you didn't mention, and this is the one that you didn't mention, a Carlsbad uh, uh, sunglass. So we need to get those on the books at some point. Um, Carlsbad, uh, and, and I, I have a guy that has a big-ass head that uh, would probably uh, uh, work well in them. Um, so what's, what's touching Carlsbad? Is it Solana Beach, or, or which, which is the neighboring county view? Or, there's, or Encinitas, there's Encinitas and Oceanside. All right, so we'll have Carlsbad and Oceanside or Encinitas. There we go. See? It has to be like, I have, I have Francisco and Oakland. You know, everything kind of plays <laughs> off each other. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk um, more about it. And hopefully I'll, hopefully I'll see you this summer. I'll be down in Coronado next week for oh, the middle of August. Well, I'm coming I'm coming down. You, I'm going to force you to be my friend for the rest of your life, brother. Um, you, you can't get rid of me. You Deal. cannot. <laughs> 
Well, Luke, honestly, it has been an absolute pleasure. And most likely when I uh, when our producers push the outro button, it ain't going to work. And I, I want you to, to realize, everyone out there listening or for you watching, when we started, I put, uh, the producers pushed the button for the commercials and they didn't run. And... But I want you to know that that's what entrepreneurship is. And that's what Luke just let it help us to be able to realize because we all have the plan and then we have what happens. And most of the time, what you want to happen ain't going to be what happens. It's going to be the way that you deal with it. And Luke, you have been a phenomenal example of that, man. I, I just, I applaud you. Every single person out there right now, you need to go to woodsy.com and you need to check out the glasses. Uh, I mean, it is unbelievable. I want, and this is what I want, Luke. I was going to wait until we got off the podcast to say this, but this is what I want. Is is there a way to get some Hasoy, because I never had a soy, a soy skateboard. I've oh. never, I never had it because I couldn't afford it when we were growing up. Huge fan, hammerhead sunglasses you know what i'm saying like Actually, is that... you know, i haven't done that yet but i'll find one because my very first personal skateboard was a hosoi hammerhead mid white with the, the orange uh, rising sun yeah it, that was my favorite board like my first one then i had a bunch many dogtown boards but um yeah no i definitely will I'm going to try to find a bunch of them. He's still, he's still around. He's still going. I mean, it won't be original in the eighties. That cost those are collectibles, yeah. but I'm sure they had, sure they have some reissues and uh -huh. I can have people, people ride them, rough them up and then turn them back in and we'll, <laughs> we'll make glass out of it. Cause I don't want it too pretty. Otherwise it's not cool. You know, I got to have some, some action going on. Well, uh, well, and also too, uh, coming up soon because uh, we're working on getting uh, Christian on the podcast. Um, I'm a huge fan. If you haven't read his book, it's unbelievable. Um, but for all of you out there that are from Lompoc, you know what a Gemco skateboard is. Um, and I, I was representing Gemco back in the day because we couldn't get no real Hasoi. So someday I'm going to have my Hasoi sunglasses. And then that's when I know that things are going well. And actually things are going well anyway, but uh, I want to... Well, tell him, tell him I'll send him one when they're ready, too. Okay, well, one, once we're, we're going to have him here in the studio, so uh, maybe we'll, we'll work it out where we'll have them for him uh, to, when he comes in. Um, and one last question for you, Luke, is Gino, I want to give a big shout-out to Gino. Gino's favorite um, quote is from my pops. It was, don't let the smooth taste fool you. And he used to say this to me all the time. My pop would say, he would say, boy, don't let the smooth taste fool you. Because my pop was really nice. He was a, a very kind person. He was praying for you. He was loving on you. But he was like, boy, don't let the smooth taste fool you. Because just because that is happening doesn't mean my life is absolutely perfect. It's the way I, which I dealt with my circumstances. Can you talk to that a little bit uh, in your own life? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> That's an easy one. I mean, I didn't grow up on the streets or anything like that, but uh, I definitely did not have a traditional upbringing. You know, um, a, a single mom raised me from age six weeks to, to adulthood. And uh, she, I was a latchkey kid. She had to work all the time. It was my brother, my two brothers and myself. I had to walk to school from first grade. Every, you know, I'm not saying my life was hard and treacherous, but I, I didn't have mom and dad at home and, you know, the, the, the traditional, you know, happy days family or whatever. And, you know, I didn't get to do a lot of things that other kids did. And, but you know, it, it also, it helped me, I think too, because it made me creative. I had to entertain myself. I had to come up, like make myself happy because there wasn't anyone there to take, you know, a little loop here and there. Right? I had to figure out like, what, what was I going to do? Skateboarding, climbing trees, whatever it may be, you know, and, and 
be self-sufficient and, and same with my wife. Um, she'll share in hers. I don't want to get it too deep into it, but uh, she had a different story, but she pretty much was very independent, had a lot of loan time as a kid and, you know, it made her strong. You know, I think both of us, you know, being independent, we didn't, weren't given chicken nuggets every lunch time and picked up and have the crust cut off our sandwiches <laughs> and had play dates set up or anything. It wasn't like that. You know, I, I rode a bike and like, Hey, you want to play? You know, it was just that kind of thing or just go entertain myself somewhere or go, whatever. I, I had to be self-reliant, which made me stronger as a person, I think. Um, and like you touched on earlier, being entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur or anything in business, you're going to have things go wrong all the time. It's how you handle it. And especially around other people, you can't lose your cool. You can't snap, you know, people won't want to work with you or buy your product or anything. You have to keep your cool. You have to remember who you are and how you got there. And the remember is it's not that big of a deal. Things happen, you know, we'll fix it. You know, like overreacting is not a good play and and just small movements and just always i always just try to think of what the next right move what would be best for everybody not me but for everybody and that gets me through a lot of sticky situations or things don't go wrong i mean you know if my sunglasses aren't here they're supposed to be here i could be stressed out going oh raw, you know what's what's postpone this you know or or move this or damn it they're not here that doesn't do any good that, that's that's what a child does. They have a temper tantrum or, or, or run away from the problems. You deal with your problems. That's called growing up. You're like, things happen. All right, well, what, what can we do about it? You know, in our control. Well, I can't, I have to wait for the, the shipment still, but you know, the show goes on. I still have enough to have a podcast with you. And, and it's sometimes it's worth the wait. You never know. Luke, how do you foster forgiveness in business? And the reason why I ask this is because even I'm going to call myself out, like right before our men's group this morning, which we have a men's group in Carlsbad at 730 in the morning on Tuesday morning, every morning. It's there's no admission cost, anything like that. You just come as you are every single Tuesday, 730 to 830. Anyone out there listening, come to our men's group. But I was just about to walk into the men's group. And I was like, I was ready because, I, you know, it's a spiritual-based one. We were talking. We wanted to connect as men. And I looked out, and I saw someone. And I was like, man, I want to punch that dude in the throat. And it was because of history, right? And I realized, man, I was struggling with unforgiveness with that dude. And, I, I mean, I would love to be able to candy coat it and be like, no, I want to be the – but, Luke, today I didn't want to be the better person. I want to walk right over and just punch him right in the throat. And then I sat down, and I was like, man, why am I feeling that way? And it was like because I'm harboring stuff. And then I started to explore it, and I was like, I'm harboring stuff that is wrong in me. It ain't nothing to do with him. And then I was like, man, that sucks because now I'm wrong. And I wanted to be able to tell my men's group, like, yo, this happened. And then them be like, yo, he's wrong. And they were, they pointed right back at me and they were like, what in you is causing you not to forgive? And then they were like, I invite you to go forgive. And I was like, I don't want to, but how do you harbor, like, how do you, you, uh, you foster forgiveness when it comes to business? Because this is a hard thing as an entrepreneur, because people are going to do you wrong. Well, you're you're right. As my mom told me a long time ago, I think I was like ten or something. She's like, I had a great childhood, you know, very basic, but I was I was a happy kid. 
And she's like, you gotta realize the real world, there's there's gonna be some people that aren't so nice out there. Just, just a heads up, you know, it's not, she was kind of planting little seeds, like the real world, because I had such a good time. I was like, everybody's cool, everyone's nice, everyone's great. And, and she's like, yeah, it's not, you know, you'll see. But uh, just stay you, be you, stay strong. But uh, forgiveness, um, forgiveness is, is huge. First of all, you gotta be able to forgive yourself if you make mistakes, we all make, we're human. We're designed to make mistakes. People, all people make mistakes. But what are you gonna do about it? You may keep making the same mistake, that's your own fault. But if you learn from it and you move forward, and then uh, and then I've had the same thing with other people. I had some resentment, shall we say. And that's like drinking poison and hoping they, they die. You know, the next the guy that you have resentment with. It doesn't they they're living your head rent free. So you, if anything, you're you're losing on both ends. You feel like you're in control, like you're angry at them, and he's wrong. But really, you're losing all the way. And most anger is based in fear. You know, like like your kid runs in the street. Don't go to the street. You're not mad at them. You're just you're scared. You don't want them to you don't want to lose them. So you got to look within and see. You know, and and sometimes it is it. I've done stuff where I, I'm thinking about I'm like, well, what is what. Is, you know, looking within myself as well, I'm familiar. And uh, and then sometimes I just figure, you know, it is what it is. It just comes down to, I just say, hey, they did the best they could, whoever that person is. Maybe they, we don't know what they're going through. We don't know what they've been through or home life or they've been abused or how bad. So to hang on to anger, you know, if they kept doing it, you know, you have to stand your ground and create boundaries or, or work it out. But if it just happened one time to hang on to it, you're just hurting yourself. And you got to learn to forgive because hopefully you're forgiven for your mistakes. But if you don't forgive people, how are people going to forgive you? You know what I mean? And we're all, we're all, we're all mistake machines. We're humans. We make mistakes all the time, but you need to learn from them. And business, you can't keep making the same mistake over and over again, or you won't have any business. So heads up, you can make mistakes, but just really pay attention and break it down and figure out how will I never have to do that again. If, I mean, obviously you can't control the weather or stuff like that, but if it's in your control humanly possible, make sure that you don't make that same mistake because then you look like an uh, incompetent business person who wants to do business with someone that's incompetent <sighs> that makes the same mistake. Man. Yeah, you ever, man, you, you're killing me here, Luke, because now, I mean, obviously I got to deal with my unforgiveness and I, I promise you, everyone listening, and I'm promising you too, Luke, I'm saying this publicly, is I'm going to, I was going to write an email, but I'm going to wait until I interact and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to apologize and uh, I want to make amends because I don't want to hold on to this stuff. But as a human being though, Luke, I mean, seriously, this morning I was like, I'm holding on to it. And then my men's group did it. And now you reiterate it. So now, I mean, Luke, I don't know. I mean, well, I got to, hey, I'm human. I got to do I've, it. I've, say, I've had, <laughs> I've had grudges. I've, I get mad. I get, you know, people are, you know, this world of driving nowadays is a lot different, you know, I'm, but I'm like, it doesn't, not going to help anything if I get angry. It's going to make things worse. And I like being happy and I want to keep that. So I can't control them. I can only control myself. So I'll just make sure I'm doing the next right thing. I'm not hurting anybody or hurting people's feelings or accusing them or attacking them. Maybe analyze it, look within. But even if it isn't you, sometimes there are some people who they need help and we can't help them. So you just kind of chalk it off like it is what it is. As long as I make sure that I'm doing what's right, you'll feel good. Yeah. If you do something shitty, like you write them an email, like you prick, whatever, whatever, you know, <laughs> you're going to regret that. And you're like, oh, God, I wish I didn't do that. So the best is like, let your, 
uh, calm down, think about it, give it a day or two, and then really look at it. And then, you know, don't react, but respond. Wow. Luke. Reaction, that's easy. Everyone can do that, but to respond, like to really think about it and what's going to be best for that person and you and the greater good of the planet, that's the response you get. Man. Sometimes you don't want to hear the information because then you're held accountable to it. <laughs> Luke, you're awesome, man. I want to, I want to thank everyone yep. out there listening. I want to uh, thank the, our sponsors um, and thank everyone out there that's listening, watching, and sharing because you, it's because of every one of you that's got us in the top 1% globally, which is unbelievable as far as all podcasts. So make sure and share this. Share this with an entrepreneur that needs to hear it. Share this with the person who wants to build a brand. Share this with, with a, a woman, a, a man, a child, um, and share it with anybody that doesn't just want to buy cheap sunglasses from the, uh, from the uh, gas station and not make a difference in the world. If you do want to make a difference in the world, every one of you should be wearing woodsy sunglasses from this point forward. Luke, you have been an absolute pleasure, man. I can't wait to have you on the show again, and I can't wait to hang out with you in Coronado. Well, thank you very much. And just a uh, bulletin for me real quick. The new product should be up within two weeks. So, I, you know, you can go ahead and go online and check it out now. I'm blowing out all my old stuff at really good discount. But if you want the new stuff I was discussing, uh, they'll be up in about two weeks, just a heads up. And, and thank I'm you for listening. I'm going to send out, I'll send out a, 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 an email to all of our, uh, all of our community um, as soon as they come up to, but go to woodsy.com right now and do, do yourself a favor. Um, I want to thank you again, Luke. You have been absolutely amazing. You can't get away from me. You're coming on for another episode. We're getting your wife too. Uh, we want to have that as much as possible. And Luke, you're officially off the hot seat.